0: I, I never want to hire anyone ever <laughs> at least that was my my goal at the very very beginning just because I didn't I didn't know what I was doing I was really young um, also and I thought it was uh, it was not fun. Welcome to what works. I'm your host Terry Gentilly. On
1: what works our goal is to break through best practices, transcend conventional wisdom and put theory to the test. To do that, we talk to real small business owners about what's actually working for them right now and deep dive on the who, what, how and why of how it works. This week, my guest is Jamie Masters, the founder and CEO of Eventual Millionaire, a global business mentoring company. She's also the author of Eventual Millionaire and a top business coach who is known for getting rock solid results. Over the past 10 years, she's taught six and seven figure ambitious CEOs, entrepreneurs and small business owners how to optimize every area of their businesses. Jamie's also the producer and host of her own online show, also called Eventual Millionaire, and has conducted over 400 Interviews with millionaires and billionaires. She's been featured in Yahoo Online, Inc.com, Success Magazine, Entrepreneur, Women's Health Magazine, and Business Insider. I know Jamie best as someone who knows the power of a fabulous team. I wanted to pick her brain about how she helps each of her team members do their best work without spending all of her time managing. Jamie and I chat about her very first hire and what went wrong, why she's decided to build a team of core employees in addition to hiring task-specific contractors, what you might be surprised to find inside her Asana dashboard, and why she loves hiring outside of her business too. Now, let's find out what works for Jamie Masters. Jamie Masters, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining
0: me today. So awesome to be here.
1: Yes, and I am super excited for this conversation. I think we're going to unpack some things that... Uh, people feel a little anxiety around. Maybe uh, they just feel like it's a little over their head. But I think this conversation is going to be really down to earth, uh, very clear, and hopefully should clear up some some of those things that do get uh, you know people a little worked up. But um, before we dive into those things, um, you know, I don't always start at the beginning uh, of people's businesses here. But I wanted to create some context for this conversation. So can you just start off by telling us how eventual millionaire got started? Mm-hmm.
0: Great question. And I will keep it as short as you only <laughs> possible because this could go on forever. That's probably why you don't ask that question at the exactly. beginning. <laughs> so, uh, eventual millionaire when I actually came up with a domain name was uh, just a random blog. I was an offline business coach in the middle of nowhere in Maine for a while. Um, and I actually started the site just so I could learn how to blog nothing to do with interviewing millionaires or anything. And so I did that for about six months, um, on my own and I got picked up by CNN and because it sort of had legs, um, I didn't, didn't interview millionaires at that point either. Um, it, I was like, maybe I'm onto something. And so that's where I started blogging a little bit more. I started the podcast, which started interviewing millionaires. So I've interviewed 400 and something millionaires now. And I sort of changed the angle to be all about business owners because I was a business coach. So I might as well (laughs) align the two. Right. Uh, and so I started doing that. And, you know, after many, 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 I think the podcast is going for seven years now. Um, it's just grown exponentially. I never in a million years thought I'd be able to meet four or 500 millionaires being from a small, town, um, but I'm so grateful for the Internet. short and concise enough for you. That was
1: perfect. I am also so grateful for the internet. It makes so many things possible now that we couldn't have dreamed of when we were back in college or in high school. Um, Awesome. Okay, thank you for that context. So we're going to talk a lot today about kind of getting the best out of the people who work for you, or maybe uh, wrapping your head around even the idea of having people work for you and help you fulfill your mission and fulfill the value that you want to deliver to your clients. So let's Um, kind of start focusing on that aspect of things. So what was your experience with managing people like before you started your company? When did you, when had you done it before? How did you like it? How did it go for you? That sort of thing.
0: Well, I was 22 and I was a project manager and everybody thought I looked like I was 12. So they all, all the people that I was managing were about 40 or 50, which was lovely. Uh, (laughs) And it was fun, right? Uh, So, and I was an engineer for a while and got promoted. And so I thought um, managing (laughs) people on huge tight, tight timelines. Cause I, I worked for a video on demand company and big company, uh, our people were like Comcast and stuff. So we'd fly out and I'd have to manage all of them and make sure that they get it done in time. And everybody was mad all the time. So it was great. <laughs> it was, <laughs> we could never do it fast enough or, or good. And everybody was at their wits end. So my initial piece with with managing anything, I was like, I don't like this this Mm -hmm. sucks (laughs) everybody's mad at you whether it be the customer whether it be your your people that you're working for because you're really you're really trying to get to hit the deadlines did not work out very well for me because I felt like I couldn't do it right so when the business stuff started coming up I was like I I never want to hire anyone ever (laughs) at least that was my my goal at the very very beginning just because I didn't I didn't know what I was doing I was really young um also and I thought it was uh it was not fun does that make sense
1: Absolutely makes sense. And I think that's probably a lot of expe- people's experience, right? And I'm sure you've run into that uh, over the years as well. People just don't want to hire because they either had a bad experience managing people in the past, or they've had a bad experience being managed, right? I think both sides of, of the story make for a lot of trepidation when it comes to hiring, right?
0: Seriously, nobody's happy on either side. What the heck? Right. <laughs>
1: Well, hopefully our teams are happy now. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Um, So speaking of which, um, so you said you, uh, you know, you started things thinking that you didn't want to hire anybody ever because that's the worst. um, But eventually, you did in fact hire people. So how long was it before you decided you needed to make that first hire, and what role did you hire for, and why?
0: Well, so when I started as a business coach, when I was so young, I had a mentor that had uh, an assistant. So I saw what that looked like. Um, And so when I left him, I I worked with him for about three years. And when I left him, I thought, Well, I was by myself for a while. And then I thought of VA because that's what everybody online told me to do. They're like, oh, get a VA, right? I'm from the Mm -hmm. Philippines. It'll be great. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So and I tried everything. And because I wasn't great and and didn't totally know what I was doing either, um, it was I can't swear on this, I'm sure. But it was bad. Let's say that. So (laughs) so Swearing is fine, by the way. Uh, oh, good. It was a shit show. <laughs> so I even had a a VA that I had hired actually hired another VA to to outsource all of the work to, and I didn't even realize it. And I was like, I don't know if I'm really proud of her or really really annoyed, right? So wow. it was it was really rough for a while, and I kept trying that. I ended up having one VA in the Philippines for a little while, but it never felt like I felt like it was almost more work than it was worth, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I actually got serious about it, I had a business coach tell me what to do. <laughs> And I listened to her. Uh, so that's always a good thing because uh, I'm like, I'm business coach. I know what I'm doing. Oh, wait. No, I'm really bad at pieces also, especially back then. Uh, and so it was really cool because she's like, you need to actually hire an employee and like stop fooling yourself and trying to dabble uh, and work. Because I was worried about cash flow, too. I'm like, well, I don't want to commit and it's responsibility, right? All those things that come up in your head. Um, and she's like, you will be a better business owner because you'll have that responsibility. And so my first real employee hire was an executive admin. She was 30, 35 hours a week. She was amazing, <laughs> like literally amazing. Because uh, I remember when I was about to hire her, I sent the, her info to the business the coach. And I was like, I don't know, like, I was going back and forth. And this was probably seven, maybe six, seven years ago. Um, and, uh, and she was like, if you don't hire her, I will. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> okay then. So and that and that changed everything because it really did. Yes, I had to make sure that I was um uh covering costs and all that fun stuff. Um but it really put me as more of a leader whereas before I was uh, trying to hide from all that responsibility just because I had a bad experience beforehand. And so it but it really made me understand <laughs> how important it is a, to not do everything yourself. And I thought I was good at everything, but she was way better at so many other things than me. And and actually letting go made a huge difference, right? In my sanity. Also, Um, I could double myself and I have kids, right? And so making sure that my time was uh, spent as well as humanly possible was really important too.
1: Yeah. What differences did you notice between Having, you know, having hired contractors in the past, people who you were just sort of delegating to and hiring a real employee who was kind of, uh, I don't want to say, well, yeah, obligated to show up at a certain time to get things done in a certain way. What kind of difference did that make for you?
0: it made me show up on time in a different way. Right. So, and that's the thing. And she, and she lived uh, in Austin also, which was amazing because we could actually get together. Right. Um, And having an in-person thing was huge because I love whiteboards. I'm a very visual person. It made a huge difference on that, but it also, it really made me more dedicated. Not that I was, you know, not dedicated to my own business. Like, I can't say that, but but it made me really um, put roots down and go, all right, we're doing this, right? And so I had to get better at what I was giving to her. She got better at what, she'd slap me around a little. I, I highly recommend any executive admins to to manage up, right? And give them permission if you love them uh, to be able to to help uh, you get the things done because being your own business owner, it's hard to see the forest for the trees a lot of the times. And uh, help, having them help you prioritize was a godsend. Like, it was amazing to have her go, you told me that this is what you wanted. (laughs) Right. And I was like, I did. I totally did. You're right. I got to stick with the plan. (laughs) Right. And that accountability, even though it's your own business and you can technically do whatever you want, was also a huge asset. Yeah.
1: That's been my experience entirely, too, is that you show up differently. You take things more seriously. you, You own it even more than you did before. And yeah, and you and you have that kind of partnership with the person that you've now employed or with the people that you've now employed, as opposed to just being the delegator, right? Like your role is so different. And in it being different, there are so many benefits or so many results that you can get from that.
0: Oh, and they're, they're really dedicated too, and I think that is hugely important. So it's yeah. not like I'm one of many, I am the one, right? There's mm-hmm. no other job and being able to prioritize just my stuff really does prioritize my stuff. But if it's a contractor and they have five other people or even three, then they have three different sets of priorities. And a lot of this is not a lot of your time. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. All right. How has your team evolved since that first hire? So we have four. Well, kind of four now. Um, So Leilani, who's my I call her my operator. She's my right hand. Um, And then we have a full time VA and we have um, my technician that does all my infusion soft and all that fun stuff also. Uh, And then I had I have my PA kind of had. So she just had a baby.
1: (laughs) So we're limping
0: along without her for a little bit. Um, But she was here on the ground with me and stuff like that, too. And then, of course, we have tons of contractors like ghostwriters, copywriters, podcast editors, all that fun stuff, too, that Leilani actually manages now because I am not as good of a manager as she is.
1: (laughs) Yes, I understand. And and thank you for that because that was going to be the next thing out of my mouth was what, what are you still contracting or what kinds of roles are you still contracting for? So that makes a ton of sense. Um, all right. So now that we have a, a kind of an idea of the scope of your team and the roles that they're working uh, in. Um, You mentioned to me a few of the tools and techniques that you use to get the best from the people that you have on your team. And one of them was time audits. What are time audits? Can you explain how you use them? Definitely.
0: If I said no, that'd be hilarious though, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yes, it would be. (laughs) So So I use Hubstaff um, because some of my team's virtual. Leilani's right here in Austin with me um, and some of my team's virtual. And so we use Hubstaff, which is the regular... um, how many hours they have, but it also takes screenshots. So that's helpful. Um, But personally, once in a while, we don't do this all the time. It's not about that. We're actually doing one um, with Isa this week Um, to find out, what she's actually doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) not not just because i'm like checking up on them all but because i really want to make sure that we're as efficient as we can with the time that they have and if i need to hire somebody else right let's say they're let's say she's doing a ton of design work or something like that then i need to hire a designer that's better than she is maybe even right um and so when we start looking at um the actual task level things that they're doing, it really makes a difference. So I do this too, because I, to to me, being able to see what you're doing, I have clients do this too. It's hilarious because you think you're like, oh, I do all these things. And then you actually put it down on paper. I use either toggle or rescue time. And so that way you can actually see, I did this for, 10 minutes. I did this for 20 minutes. I did email for this many minutes, right? And uh, it, it can feel like a cold bucket of water dumping on your head sometimes because you're like, oh, I spent 12 hours on email, maybe not 12. But um, then you can really start to understand how they work and what they're doing. And I personally love to ask them and figure out what their strengths are. So that way they are doing the stuff they like. Because when I was a project manager and hated it, I wanted to quit every second. (laughs) And a lot of it was because I'm not project management material. Now, don't get me wrong. I can do it. If I grip my teeth and bear it, um, but that's not the goal. You don't want your team doing stuff that they hate. So the, the goal would be to really make sure that we're leveling up the things that they do best, so they can really feel in flow and really love their job. Also, not just as many business owners might do, just give everybody everything <laughs> like right. here, figure it all out. Um, but that's what I like to do is to make sure everybody's really being in their strengths. That's why I gave away the project management position because I don't like it. Um, And then we can all be happier as a result too nice
1: okay so when you're looking at the results of that time audit then um, it sounds like one you're using it as kind of a collaborative tool to have a discussion around it um, so a little bit of performance management in there as well um, and, and then it also sounds like uh, you're kind of you're looking for opportunities where maybe you do need to hire somebody else or you need to take a set of tasks and hand it off to a contractor instead of one of your core team members is does that sound about right and or how else are you using the, the kind of the results of that time audit.
0: And I can give you a little simple spreadsheet that we have that sort of goes over this. Cause I do this when I speak in front of people too, I I do this except we can't do an actual time audit. Um, so we do a triggers list and they write down the last task that they did because it's a little easier. So the, the way that the spreadsheet looks is it has the task name, right? Which is important. Um, but also it has how much money you would pay somebody to do that. Okay. Right. So, so for my VA, she does all the VA kind of like lower level tasks, but Leilani apparently does that sometimes too. And we ah. want Isaac to be doing this. Right. And so being able to go, oh, this is a task that's like a $10 an hour, like admin task. You can do it by category if you don't want to do it by money, right per hour. <laughs> um, like Isa it doesn't make anything now. They like you don't want you don't want to go like that. Um, but being able to have like different categories, that's how we shift because we're growing so fast as small business owners. It can be difficult to go. Which hats of the org chart are we even wearing right now? Right? I'm wearing 17 different hats. And so making sure that that we are delegating as much as we can, that's why this is helpful. So you have that, but we also have the strengths list. I like to do this because I realize I'm doing wrong stuff, mm-hmm. right? So when I look down and I'm like, why am I doing this many emails? Or why am, or when I do a time audit, you can really actually look at the data. I'm a a big fan of data. Um, and so I can't shirk around that. I'm like, Oh yeah, I did that for that long. Wow. That was dumb. (laughs) Uh, and knowing what's my core strength and what isn't, you can take like a disc assessment or, or you can ask people, or a lot of times, you know what your core strengths are. Um, and that's what you want to do on a team level because that way we can actually shift responsibilities uh, or job descriptions or however we we wear the 17 different hats for different people, um, a little bit easier looking at the actual data. Does that make sense too?
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense. And before we go further into the tools piece, it, it brought sort of like a, I guess, a strategic question to mind, which is... Um, And you've mentioned this a couple of times that, you know, as small business owners, we are wearing a lot of different hats. And that often means that the people that are working for us are wearing a lot of different hats too. Um, And I guess I'm curious how you personally approach balancing the necessity of wearing those different hats with optimizing for getting people into their strengths, getting you into your strengths, into your zone of genius. Where do you personally draw the line between those two
0: things? that is a great question. And I think everybody all, I struggle with this too. My mentor a long, a long time ago used to be like, I, I want business owners to all wear a different hat with a different name on it. I was like, yeah, that's hilarious. We should buy those <laughs> hats right because when you're when you're in flow and you're doing a bazillion things you don't notice it that's why we do the time on it to sort of step back from day to day because it's a lot easier and no you don't typically i should say we don't have enough resources to be able to go and then we're gonna have a cmo and then we're gonna have a coo and then right we don't have that many resources and so it's an ebb and a flow for me i like to know like where leilani wants to be i want i like to know where they where they want to be and I just try <laughs> as best we can to, to put them in those roles as we grow. Um, but it's, uh, we're a small business, right? So I'm always like, thanks, guys, for doing stuff that sucks sometimes, <laughs> right? And and thankfully, we've got a great team and we really work well together. And so they, they get it. So when we have to do launches and they have to be up or we do retreats and they have to be up at – all hours of the night, because a couple of them are in the Philippines. Thank you guys. We really appreciate it. Um, and so it's, like I said, it's an ebb and flow and you're never going to do it perfectly. But as long as you do check-ins and like, Hey, if you're doing something that sucks really bad, we can always get a contractor to do it also. Right. If you absolutely hate that piece and that, that can come during quarterly reviews and stuff like that too. If they're, if they are willing to raise their hand and be like, I really don't like this. Or when you're thinking about it as you're growing, like what role they want to go into, you knowing that will make it a lot easier too. That makes tons of sense. But it's not perfect Yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: I like the way you describe kind of knowing where you're at right now and knowing what the ideal is and just making incremental strides in the direction of what is ideal, which makes me wonder if there is something that you have on your plate right now that you're looking to offload next as you make further steps towards your ideal.
0: Oh, that's a great question. So uh, um, I... I'm stubborn, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> Aren't we all? Know, like, right. My daughter is too, darn it. Uh, but, but the one of the things I don't like, I like doing live um, classes, right? So I don't mm. like digital programs. I want to be there with them, right? Because I think I can slap them around better than they can just fast forward through me later. Uh, but so one of the things that I'm getting out of, though, the new program that we have is I am teaching the owner webinars. Um, Leilani teaches the operator webinars. Mm. So we train your team. And I'm getting out of that piece. So I'm going to have somebody else actually train those webinars um, longer term term. Not that I don't like doing them, but we're doing a lot of them (laughs) and it does. It's an hour of my time. Right. So we created all the content and they're going to be more facilitators of some of those pieces so I can do other things. So that's just a piece that I know is coming up. It is not there yet. I want to do another iteration before we do um, so we can train someone. Right. Um, But that's definitely a big piece of it. But I've I've done this many times before where I like I hate writing. I don't write very much anymore. I say things into microphones and people take them and write them because because I really did not like that piece. Um, Even part of my book was ghostwritten. So, yeah, with the things that are painful, I do like to um, pull off my plate as soon as we can. And things that I'm okay with um, are still there.
1: Gotcha. All right. That makes tons of sense.
0: After talking to over 120 small business
1: owners on this podcast, after coaching entrepreneurs for almost 10 years, and after building a community designed for movers and shakers to get help on their ventures, I can tell you without a doubt, every business owner needs help from time to time. It doesn't matter whether you're Sarah Blakely, Anita Roddick, Mark Zuckerberg, or Oprah, you're gonna need to lean on colleagues and mentors for support. So if every business owner needs help from time to time, Why is it so hard to ask? Sometimes you don't really know what to ask about because the problem or opportunity is so complex. Sometimes you don't have a positive or safe network of peers you can trust and you fear finding one will cost you thousands of dollars. Sometimes you just don't know how to phrase your question or challenge without soliciting unhelpful advice or irrelevant responses. And sometimes you worry that asking for help makes you look less than capable as a business owner. At Co-Commercial, we have over a decade of experience observing business owners asking for help, receiving feedback, and making the most of it. We're facilitators, guides, and support instigators. The positive, safe, and constructive space we've built with our members gives us firsthand knowledge of what works and what doesn't when it comes to asking for help with your small business. We also place a huge value on helping people see how asking for help makes you look like a better small business owner. Not weak, not incapable, and not, worst of all, stupid. The co-commercial team and I wanna help make it easier for you to ask for help. So we're sharing our best tips for phrasing your questions, getting curious and opening up to feedback on where you're struggling most. Join us for a free 90 minute live workshop called how to ask for help without getting overwhelmed, going broke or worrying what others think. Here's what we're gonna cover. First, why a big part of the problem with getting good help and support is actually asking for advice on your business ideas or strategy in the first place. Second, how to push past the fear of looking stupid or less than capable so you can get in on the conversations that will move your business forward. How to tackle complex, unwieldy, or just plain gigantic business questions without spending hours trying to explain every last detail what to say or share, including easy-to-use scripts in order to get the most useful feedback and stay in charge of your course of action. And finally, where to go to find quality help without paying a fortune for online courses or mentoring. By the end of this free workshop, you'll have a plan for getting the help you need without getting overwhelmed, going broke, or worrying what others think. To register, go to cocommercial.co help. That's cocommercial.co help. All right. So let's take a closer look then um, at another tool. Cause you mentioned to me that you guys really love Asana and we're also fans of Asana here. Um, so That made me wonder, like, I think everybody's Asana is set up a little bit differently, right? And um, I know that, you know, times when I've pulled back the curtain on what ours looks like and how we have ours set up, people have tons of questions and they're surprised to see this or that. And so I'm wondering if we were to peer into the way you guys have your Asana set up, what might we be surprised to see about the format, about how your inbox is, is labeled? What is surprising in your Asana account?
0: Oh, there's a couple things. Okay. So we are, <laughs> we are, and I don't even know if you know this, but our new brand really does this for people. So we actually have templates and stuff in Asana, um, for sales process for onboarding. So it's all sort of in there with scripts and everything. So that's how we run it. So, but, but in our Asana, we have all of the setup for everybody else. So it's really an interesting project setup um, because we actually use the API to download it and other people's things, but that's how we have ours typically set up. The, <laughs> now I run mine differently because I feel like, oh, I call it owners, but business owners in general um, and me, I like it the way I like it. Right. And that's the thing that's really tough. Uh, so Leilani runs the projects this way and I have adapted to the way that she does it. But the way that I have my weekly, I ask her not to assign anything to me unless it's due soon. So I don't have a humongous list. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Um, and I know you can, I know you can do it and I know you can change the dates and stuff like that, but I I hate that. So what I do is every single week, I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And at the beginning of the week, I just organize my my own Asana list. Leilani runs the project. So when we have team meetings, she's like, okay, these are the most important things. She assigns it to me. And everything is assigned to me because I hate the little notifications in Asana. My own issue, of course. Uh, <laughs> because you get a bazillion of them when you have a team and you're on every single thing. Um, and so that's that's how I do it. I'm like, I won't look at it unless it is assigned to me. Um, and my whole team knows that. Yeah. Uh, and so it'll pop up. Right. Um, and so she runs and she is, uh, Leilani, my operator is, is amazing. Right. And so the way that she has our project set up, um, I mean, she's, she's a great project manager, right. And that's why she runs through everything, but I need the visual. So when we actually do team meetings, we talk about it all together. So it is, it's interesting way of, uh, of piecemealing <laughs> pieces, right. The core and then what Jamie does, but really, really works well for us.
1: Yeah, it sounds kind of similar to the way we had things set up. It sounds like yours is a little bit more smooth at this point than ours is, but I'm kind of half adapting to the way everybody else works and the way Shannon who does is essentially our operator uh, in in your terminology um, I kind of adapt to her style and things I need to adapt to and then I've got my own system for getting my own stuff done (laughs) you know and and kind of balancing it doesn't always work 100% of the time but 90% of the time it works and I know what needs to get done and I'm way more organized than I used to be which is great
0: well Um, that's yeah, I know you have another question, but that I, I think the thing that's really important um, in general, and this, I had to, my f- first executive admin, that was great, had to sit me down, like literally was like, Jamie, you have to learn this. Because I kept going, ugh, right. And I'm a tech, I have a degree in computers. <laughs> yeah. And I was still like, Asana's complicated. I don't really like it. <laughs> right. And so being able to actually, like she made me, and the managing up thing. Wonderful thing. Uh, just learn the core 80, 20 of it. And that was the thing where now I can do the, I do the 80, 20 of what my team does. Don't get me wrong. Like I mess it up sometimes for sure. Um, but, but that way I'm not trying to make them into my world. Cause i I've, I've found even with my clients owners think differently, right? I think very visually, I am a very visual person. I have whiteboards. I've, paint, I do all that stuff. And, and and Leilani is not like that at all. She's a details to the nth degree person. If you show me a piece of paper with a bazillion details on it, I'm gonna be like, I don't wanna look at it, right? Just tell me the gist. Um, And so the two styles are so different. We we someone said that we have like a translation system, right? Like we're (laughs) translators for each other because she thinks like this and talks like this, and I think like this and talk like this. And and I found that a lot. And so to me, it was more or less going okay, but I do have to have some grit in using Asana
1: (laughs) to a point that it works eighty twenty style. Yeah, I. Yes, I just so appreciate that. Um, you mentioned kind of the new brand, the the owner box piece. You've also referred to Leilani as your operator several times. Can you talk to us about the difference between how you see owners and operators, and how we might recognize which you know, where we fit in or where our people
0: fit in best definitely. So, um we sort of modeled this a little bit off of um Rocket Fuel, but Rocket Fuel is a book, um it's a great book by Gino Wickman. It's usually meant for about 2 million um to 10 million dollar businesses. And the goal of Rocket Fuel talks about having a visionary and an integrator. The integrator because you can't afford a C suite even at 2 million. Um it's tough, right? So I have a couple clients that are using that specific structure. Um, I don't like calling them org charts because that sounds so corporate and nobody likes them. I call them team, <laughs> team structures. Um, and so being able to go, okay, who does what? Cause what, what I found, and this is what I was doing incorrectly also, um, everybody just came to me beforehand. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I had, so I had an executive assistant, but she would come to me along with everybody else. <laughs> right. Cause I was sort of project managing, even though I really wanted my assistant to kind of do some of it, but I didn't. It wasn't really her role that she, you know what I mean? So it starts to get sticky. Um, and when you actually take time and go, oh, so-and-so reports to so-and-so, this is how it works, right? So we, we say owner and operator because own, owners, the owners I work with and, and me, um, have a different style, let's say that. Um, and it depends on which one you are. Um, to me, an owner is a little bit more ideas focused, a little bit more visionary, just like um, Rocket Fuel talks about. And the integrator or the operator is somebody that's more than just a project manager. Like you can't just be like, oh, you're my project manager. Oh, wait, you do everything. She's like my buffer (laughs) for everything. Everything comes into her and then she parses everything out. So she can actually keep me out of the weeds a lot more, too, because I will get caught up. In what those are, and so she's. I also say she's my right hand. So I feel like (laughs) she's not an executive admin. She's not really a project manager. She so we call her an operator because she's not an integrator either. Um, I know with some of my clients we say, "Oh, you're going to be an integrator," and then they all ask for more money. And you're like, "Okay, well, you're doing the same job you were doing before," (laughs) (laughs) or CMO or COO, right? As soon as we start giving titles. I don't care about titles. I was like, Leilani, call yourself whatever you want. It doesn't matter to me. That's why we started coming up with the terminology of operator. Cause it sounds like she is the main piece yeah. of the business. Right. And she is, she's my right hand. I, I couldn't do this without her. Um, she's definitely a huge part of the team.
1: Yeah. I would think that that would make, Or I like the distinction between owner and operator when it comes to sort of long term planning, legacy planning, sustainability planning for a business, too, because, you know, we think of, uh, you know, if you think of like franchisees as being or franchises being run by operators, like it sounds like an operator is someone who could step in and take over the business, at least in the form that it is now for ever, if necessary. Right. Yep. Yeah. I love that distinction. I, I love the, just the subtle shift in terminology from the rocket fuel t- terminology. It feels really comfortable to me. So I might be citing you a lot on that in the future. It feels, <laughs> it
0: feel, it feels warmer, like there are friends too to me. So like, that's the thing. I started going down the path. I was just trying to interview Gino Wickman because I love the book and I love traction um, and, it's, and the people I work with. And for me, it was a little complicated. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just want something really simple. <laughs> Make it really simple. Um, and so to me, that's why we started using it. Gotcha. I love it.
1: All right. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit again. Um, you also said to me that uh, to really make delegation work, you have to have a team of A players. This is something I'd heard you say before, and it really stuck out to me. Um, and it's something that I think about a lot, just in terms of who do I want to have on my team? How do I want them to be working? And when do you know, do I figure out that somebody needs to move on as well? How do you personally handle it when someone's performance just isn't quite cutting it, isn't at that A level? Um, and what's your system for either helping them improve or deciding that they need to go?
0: Yes. So there's a great book called Who that really goes through this um, process of evaluation. So an overarching piece, right? So are they an A, a B, a C, or an F is sort of how they do it. Um, and one caveat is if you're a bad manager, <laughs> or if you think you might be, uh, your results will be skewed, let's right. say that. So so even an A player sometimes does not flourish underneath somebody who's not a great manager, so just as one caveat beforehand. Um, but ideally what we want and what I learned as we went through, um, is that I just, I love people and I want to see the best out of them. And I would overlook <laughs> a lot of the, the bad stuff and I would contort to try and make other people happy too, without even doing that test on them myself. Like if it's way easier for me to do this to clients than it is for me, right? Uh, I need somebody else to help me with this because when your friends or you're responsible for them or you're like, oh, but I know they could do better. Come on, we can do this. Come on. Nope, can't. Nope, can't. Nope, can't. Right. And so, um, so for me, I had to put something in place on the firing side so that way I could, um separate it from my emotions. Cause mm-hmm. I want to help everybody <laughs> and I hate firing people. I hate it. And everybody's probably heard, you know, you want to be slowed up, sort of hire, which I get that that's easier, um, quick to fire. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not so good at that. Right. And I can tell other people to do it, but I will admit completely that it is, it is harder cause you're dealing with humans. Um, so the process that we have, and I can, um, I can give you a link to this whole thing. So I don't have to explain the whole thing. Um, but it's, it's how to fire. And so, um, setting it up and letting everybody know in advance. So that way it's like, okay, there's a warning usually verbal warning. And I just do it super simple, right? It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Um, we've only had to get through cause I fired quite a few people. <laughs> we've only had to get through the the nth degree of, of one, um, subset where we do a 30 day written thing. That's like, okay, we do this. And then, I mean, one of the pieces that I put on, uh, this one in particular, um, was cause I, I really, really wanted it to work too. Right. Come on. Was you have to email me every day what, mm-hmm. what you did super simple, right? Email me every day. And, uh, I think they, out of the 20 days of the entire month, I think it was, it was maybe eight that I actually got emailed. And I was like, okay, so that's just, I, it's just logic right there. Right? right. So that made me feel better <laughs> in general. Um, and because that's the thing, like for me, it, it is way harder to see the forest for the trees. Uh, another person I had to have, uh, one of my friends really go like, you know, that is not, she's, she's totally a C and I'm like, well, I think she's a B, I think she's trainable to be an A. I think I'm just not doing a really good job of training. Right. Mm. Like, I think I can do it. Um, and it was later, I was like, oh, I was dumb. I did, oh. not, I did not, I did not realize that unfortunately. Uh, and so, and that's having, having somebody else's opinion that does know, um, even if it's just a mastermind group or a friend or something, um, does really help because if you do, care, which you know a lot of us do. Thank goodness. Um, it does make it a lot h- harder, but that also means that you could be limping along and not even realizing it.
1: Yes to that. Okay. We're going to shift gears one more time because I know something else that you're very passionate about is hiring help outside of your business as yes. well. So can you tell us about your personal assistant and everything they do for you?
0: Yes. So, uh, and I'm a single mama of two kids. Right. And so it was like, okay, I needed a, I needed a wife. And that didn't, I, that didn't work out so well for me. I don't want a wife. So, so I was like, I need a housewife. Um, so I ended up hiring and Carissa with us for a very long time. Now she's her baby is super cute. I just saw her the other day. Um, but, and she's helping with babysitting, but before it was, um, she did all the laundry. I hate laundry. I hate dishes. Right? Hate dishes. And and when we look at like our time audit, if you put the personal stuff on there too, especially as a business owner and how exhausted you will be after you're done and then you have to cook and clean and do all those things, it is ridiculous. And because I hate it, it is not in my strengths and I get mad, which is silly, right? But I'd be like, Oh, children and dishes more. Right. Uh, um, so she used to do all of that stuff. She would prep the food uh, at night. So I didn't have to worry about that. Now I've actually cobbled some stuff together so people can test this out, um, until she gets back of course, but I have a laundry service that comes and picks up my laundry. So I don't even have to go out cause they've drop off laundry service too. Um, we have food and there's tons of those meal plan things that are delivered that we can have, um, cooked and we, I prep everything beforehand now. Um, but that way I don't, and the cleaning lady's about to come here in about 20 minutes. So, (laughs) so, so even now, even though I'm waiting for her to come back and she's doing the babysitting, um, that stuff is the bane of my existence, but I work better in a clean environment, like way better. I feel better. My business thrives more when I don't have the clutter, right? And so all of those little things that add up, because if that is on a task list, I have a whole personal side too. If I had to do all that personal stuff too, and all the business stuff and manage everything, like I'd crawl in a corner and cry, especially if it's not in your wheelhouse. And so um, I've had a personal assistant probably for almost four years now, which is crazy. So right now I'm, it's a little... Different. Let's say that. Um, But even trips to the post office, checking the mail for everyone, filling up the pool here in Austin because it's super hot, like silly, silly things like that, that would either be forgotten. Right. And something will break um, or, or not, because you just don't have the capacity and it's a lot less expensive to tell you the you truth to hire somebody for that than it is to hire a high level person in your business. And so if we can actually figure those pieces out or picking up the kids from school, that was always huge too. Um, she did everything. She was a part of her family. So, and she still is, I can't say that she's not, she's just a baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a
1: great point though, about hiring a personal assistant, even though it feels really luxurious, it's cheaper than hiring an operator for your business.
0: Yes. And I feel like a dork being like, oh, my personal assistant would take care of that, right? right. Like I do. <laughs> I do. I don't let her clean the kids' rooms. They have to clean it themselves. Don't get me wrong. Like, they're definite. I don't want them to be little rich kids that, you know. Uh, but I need help. I totally need help, but I'm willing to admit it.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Um, how do you go about finding someone who's going to, well, finding and vetting someone that's going to be working with you and your family that closely?
0: Definitely. So we use, or we had used, we Find Chris on care.com. Um, so background checks, <laughs> like literally, um, especially now cause we were looking and, and I've gone through, I've had three or three different PAs. Um, and so lots of background checks. We do a lot of tests. So we do babysitting tests at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tested a lot of people beforehand, um, just because even having somebody's energy in your house, that much. All <laughs> right. Like I have to, so one of my company values is positivity and that matters to me. And if you like walk around and hate your job or not that they hate your job, but like cleaning, like with a scowl on your face, that affects my whole house. And so, um, so that's a big deal too. So we do a lot of testing on that side. Um, even for babysitters, anybody that comes in the house really makes a big difference. Um, and we vet them that way, but definitely do a background check, <laughs> please. Everybody do background checks. Care.com actually does a lot of those. It's already sort of pre part of that service. Um, So that's huge, too. You can also like you can do like TaskRabbit and stuff like that. But I I, with the kids, big deal for me, errands and stuff like that. Not as big of a deal.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It seems like you have, you know, whether we're talking about your personal assistant or your operator, your virtual assistant, it sounds like you have a pretty high value for consistency, too. Heck yes. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, that kind of brings me to the end of my, uh, you know, my uh, interrogation of you about your team. Oh, it, it felt horrible. I'm yes, sure. Gosh, I'm sure. sure. <laughs> um, but I'd love to know uh, what are you guys working on next, and and what can we look forward to seeing from Eventual Millionaire this year.
0: So we're super excited because this new brand is called Owner Box. My mentor used to always tell me, like, sit in the owner box, not in the CEO box either. And so it's it's just a different framework to look at it. I know a lot of people are like, I wish I'm a freelancer, right? So don't get me wrong, like it can happen too. Um, we actually, like I was saying before, is actually having the owners only do what they do and the operators or the, whoever's on your team only do what they do. And it, I'm so excited because <laughs> I don't feel like anybody has a program that's like that right now and people kept asking for it. And so um, I, I love when I can have somebody come back and go, I am less stressed, I have more time with my family, and I'm actually making more money too. Like, yes, money's great, all that fun stuff, but, not, but it's not the number one most important thing to me anyway, um, even though my show's called Eventual Millionaire. I totally get that. Uh, so that's going to be the biggest thing that we're going to be rolling out even more um, coming up soon. So super excited for that.
1: That's awesome. Well, we will be looking forward to that. Jamie Masters, thank you so much for letting us in on how you think about getting the best out of the people that work for you. Thanks. Thanks. Find out more about Jamie Masters at eventualmillionaire.com. For all the resources Jamie mentioned in our interview, you can go to eventualmillionaire.com/slash WhatWorks. What works is brought to you by Co-Commercial. Okay, so what exactly is Co-Commercial? Co-Commercial is a social network, event producer, and support hub, especially for small business owners in the digital space. We know you want to turn the business you've started into something that will stand the test of time, provide for you and your family, and help your customers transform their lives or work. We connect you to people who get the obstacles you're facing as an entrepreneur. We produce events to educate, connect, and inspire you on your journey. We're a community of business owners who help you find creative solutions to your unique challenges without reinventing the wheel. Here's how it works. Step one, join CoCommercial. Step two, share a challenge, obstacle, question, or setback you're currently facing in your business. Step three, get personalized answers from a diverse community of experienced business owners. Step four, never waste time on Google or Facebook trying to find answers for your business again. We're not another online course. We're not a free group where you get lost in a sea of self-promotion. We're not a cut and paste template for doing business online. And we're not aiming to teach you a hundred new things you don't have time for. We're here to support you on your journey. We hope you get back on track and back to running, managing, and growing your business as quickly as possible. No fluff just personalized, just-in-time answers to your biggest and smallest questions. Ready to give it a try? Request your invitation to the network today. Go to cocommercial.co, that's cocommercial.co. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind the scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medias and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.